I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. podcast and the nerds who want for themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine and I love movies, which is lucky because each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. Whether you're a regular listener or just dropping by for this episode, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoyed the film talk and, as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the Am I Not group on Facebook, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by Art92's Damien Edwardson, as we look at our second John Carpenter movie of this year's Spooktober, by discussing the 1988 Rowdy Roddy Piper starring sci-fi horror-ish movie, They Live. And now with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blinded us to the truth. Take a look. They are safe as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them. They're everywhere. We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business, ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello, Damien. How are you? Hey. Hello, Stuart. Long time, no speak. I know, it's, well, you need time to recover from Man of Steel. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, I still still hold my ground, I enjoyed that. That's enjoyed fine, it's fine. It's, it's yeah, it's... Yeah, I haven't it watched it again, is. mind, so, you know. The, yeah, I think that is the, it's not the one you go back to a lot. More importantly, though, you're all stocked up on bubblegum. Oh, I am super excited for this film. Super excited. I nearly wore my uh, bubblegum t-shirt and I bloody forgot, didn't I? Before yeah. we recorded. So, so I went to the Survivor Series one anyway. Nice. It's Survivor Series month for us 80s kids in WWF, so, you know. Well, I mean, it, it ties in. What with... Uh, Does tie in. Does tie in. What with Rowdy Roddy Piper. So, all right. <gasps> then. So we are talking about They Live. So a little bit of information. Uh, so directed by John Carpenter. It being John Carpenter's They Live. Uh, written by John Carpenter, although he used the pseudonym Frank Armitage. Uh, based on the short story, Eight O'Clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson and the comic story, Nada by Nelson and Bill Ray. Uh, starring 
Roddy Piper, Keith David, and Meg Foster. They were the ones on the poster. And then released in cinemas on the 4th of November 1988 in the US and the 23rd of June 1989 in the UK. Uh, grossed $13,009,198 worldwide on an estimated budget of $4 million, according to IMDb. And I have no Roger Ebert or Barry Norman review. I don't know whether Roger Ebert just uh, ignored the film because there's that Siskel and Ebert reference at the end. <laughs> they, they, they always seemed quite harsh on a. Of course they did. John uh, John Carpenter films, but yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, I think from various things I've found, it's difficult knowing which reviews are retrospective now and which ones were at the time. But I think mm. it was genuinely quite well received. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was okay. I thought I don't. I mean, it wasn't. It was never. It wasn't lauded as much of the kind of cult classic that it is now. Yeah. Um, but then that's that's the same with a lot of Carpenter's stuff. I was going to say, that's pretty much true of all John Carpenter's. I think with the exception of Halloween. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I, I don't think it was it was roundly slated. I think people took it in the in the vein that it was intended, as we'll talk about. But, yeah, it's uh, I, I'll miss Siskel and Ebert and Barry Norman not kicking the shit out of it. <laughs> I'd say Barry Norman might review it. I like Barry but... Norman. But he did get on my tits at times because he was particularly snobby about some things. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I I like Barry Norman as well. It's more the way he talked about films rather than necessarily his opinions on them. But yeah, that's the beauty. Of, that's when film criticism is an art in itself, rather than. Mm. But I always remember he liked The Evil Dead. Yeah, which to this day, I I remember listening to him glowing about the the creativeness of the of the evil bed and I thought, oh actually he's probably not not got such a stick up his ass then about things at all. Occasionally you know, they surprise you. Yentle or whatever he was going on about <laughs> that, that week. Well I mean it, it is a classic. But anyway <laughs> Yes. They live. So they do live. So let's go back to the beginning. What are your memories of first seeing it? Was it a uh, cinema job or a VHS? No. This was um, a video shot special. This was I, so I was hugely into the WWF at the time. We we got Sky, and um, they used to put because back then there wasn't like fifty thousand million channels you paid for. I think it was about like three or four, um, and one of them was was like basically just Sky One that used to show all the the wrestling stuff. Yeah. So I was really getting into that, and. Um, Loved Roddy. I mean, I was a big fan of wrestling before we got Skies to buy the mags and read about it and stuff. But um, big, big fan of Roddy Piper. Absolutely one of my favorites. It's, it's between him and Randy Savage about the greatest sort of US wrestler that, that same I, for I me. Like. And then later on, and they, to and they switch. They switch places. <laughs> I thought you were going to say tugboat. Um, but yeah, but huge fan of it and I couldn't wait because they were trailing the shit out of this film even though he kind of fell out with them a bit because McMahon wasn't happy that he was leaving to, to make a film um, they did see the the opportunity to you know make some money out of it and jump jump on the bandwagon so they trailed the shit out of it we were so desperate to see it but of course it didn't come out for another like year yeah. <laughs> so, so by the time it came out I'd kind of forgotten all about it um, and then I'd read because you used to buy these magazines about video releases back then. Yeah, magazines, kids, magazines, and they tell you what was coming out and when. 
And um, I saw it and I was like, <gasps> so charged to the local video shop. There it was. Sat, sat on its own lonesome. Nobody wanted it. And do you know what? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was everything I wanted it to be. Every, everything I expected with a wrestler in a lead acting role. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's not that bad. And we'll come on to it, but he's not that bad. Um, he, he does what he needs to do. He's not He's not going to win an Oscar, but... I remember reading his, his autobiography that he wrote. Um, and uh, he's quite honest about how it was hard work because his whole character and persona was that over-the-top, loud, you know, absolute sort of heel. And yet he was playing a character who's very introspective and quiet and and understated. And he did struggle with it, as you can see in the film. And I think that that does come across a little bit. Because there are the scenes where he does cut loose a bit. He he, he loosens up and he becomes a lot more natural and he he acts better. But yeah, was what you know, not it's not the greatest acting masterclass you'll see, but it's it's adequate for the role and he brings things to it that nobody else would have brought. Like we'll come on to later with a lot of the adlibs and stuff like that. Um, but hey, Roddy Piper can't do any wrong in my eyes. No, not even Hell Comes to Frogtown will put me <laughs> off him. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's a doozy, kids. That's an absolute doozy. And unlike some other wrestlers, he didn't really go big into the acting, did he? He did a few bits but he yeah. wasn't doesn't have a massive filmography um i think this film's a b-movie and he fits yeah. that b-movie thing quite nicely it's got a nice feeling of a throwback to those 50s paranoia yep b-movies to the point yeah. when he puts the glasses on i love that it looks like a 50s b-movie well i mean and again this is this is the whole thing about carpenter isn't it that he's, he's very clever at those visual cues and and the fact that you know, when you put the glasses on, everything's pretty black and white, quite literally black yeah. and white. You can see what's going on, what's happening, and and why they're doing what they're doing. And it's that I think that's the intent. I think I'm sure I read somewhere that Carl said that was the intent of making it black and white it was to say to people, there's no, there's no shades here. It's fucking black and white. Yeah. <laughs> what's going on? We're just not awake to it. Again, quite literally. Um, so it was a, it was a. It's a very clever use that um, of, of just just the palette, but it works. You know, it, works oh, it does. Well. It's not such a departure from the real world. Like I say, I love that fifties mm-hmm. sci-fi look. It looks like a model city rather than the actual cities in. Yeah, you've got the weird flying sorcery type thing, the little yeah. flying balls rather kind of thing. It all looks a bit fake, which is yeah. It's quite amusing. You can get a guest you know, what the real by... thing is looks fake. <laughs> yeah, and you get a guest appearance by the uh, the Ghostbusters PK meter as well yeah. later on. I've got that now. Everybody, everybody was using them apparently in films at that point, and everyone's going, "That goes that PK meter." Like, yeah, but nobody but as, as a radio though, as a radio. Yeah. So, because this film quite does a quite nice job of doing a slow build up. Because you, yeah. You meet Roddy Pipe, you've got that awesome introduction shot where the train moves and then you see him across the tracks coming towards you. Fantastic music. It's almost like a western thing yeah. in building as he's walking through. Oh, great stuff. Yeah. And you, you get him going to the job set, you get the guy in the wheelchair with one leg as he wheels yeah. by just shaking his head. And they're telling him that, you know, there's a there's a problem. 
So don't bother trying to get any welfare checks because you ain't getting anything. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's setting that scene already that, you know, that, that there's like this class divide where if, you, if you're under the line, basically, nobody gives a shit above that line. And and obviously that's you know that when we talk about themes of the film, it's quite a simple theme, really. <laughs> it's not it's not one of those head scratchers. I watched the film last night, which is great, really well acted, brilliant. But at the end of it, I said to her, "I got a fucking clue what what was going on there at the end." And she's like, "No, neither did I." You know, because it got so complicated and complex that you weren't sure who knew, who didn't know, who was involved, who wasn't involved. And this ain't that for sure. You know, this is this is definitely. And again, we've said it before. This is a Saturday night, couple of beers, you know, just take it for what it is and you'll enjoy it. I think yeah. it's one of those films, isn't it? You'd have to think about it too much. No. No, it's it like I say, it's wonderfully good fun. I love how they build that world, you know, in getting the job on the building site. Yeah. The shirtless Roddy Piper action. Yeah, he's in good nick as well. Well he's in good nick. Well, I mean, this was this was obviously around the time of the steroid stuff going on as well. Yeah. I wouldn't wish to cast aspersions upon no, you know but... Rod- Mr. Roderick Toombs, who was one of my personal wrestling heroes, but um, you know, he did look pretty cut. I'll give him that. He looked pretty uh pretty pretty fit. But he's a good guy, you know, he's he's a he, you can tell that by his mannerisms he just wants to basically work and earn some money and you know be left just, alone. Be left alone, get on with it, yeah. Yeah. Because uh he, he ignored Keith David offer of help. Which in my note I put he's Rudy Roddy Piper. Um, I do <laughs> like good. that he follows him though to see. It's a bit, don't you find all that stuff though a bit homoerotic a little bit? Oh yeah, but it's the like, interest, wasn't it? Yeah, do you want to come? Uh, I can show you somewhere it's... you can stay. And it's like oh, I'm not sure. And then he follows him, and it's like oh, you know. And the next time, where, later on, when they have a big fight, they end up in a hotel together, and you think, yeah. like, you know, there's a little bit of uh, you know, eighties. It's it's interesting for an eighties film, and we talked about this with Beverly Hills Cop. Where I think today people would probably be more conscious of that and go, "Oh, now we need to be careful now that this, doesn't, you know." Whereas I think probably back then, it was even in the late eighties, it was probably just a bit more of like nobody really overanalyzed every single, you know, line yeah. and what what the intention could or couldn't be. So um, yeah, it was it was it's good. Yep, um, as you say, Keith David, Childs, as yep. we know from, from the wonderful Making thing. His, his, his second John Carpenter appearance, I think. Yeah. Unless I'm missing one in the middle. But I don't think so. Um, but he's stacked, isn't he? Well, he's, he's Keith David, lad. isn't he? I've always liked Keith David. I always used to, because there's a David Keith as well, I used to misread it on posters <laughs> and be like, oh, Keith David's in this, and then watch it be like, where the fuck was Keith David? <laughs> Oh, it was David Keith, the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Super. <laughs> no, no, and again, a good actor. He's good for the role. He's good for the role. He um, he carries it off well. You know that kind of look, man. I don't want any hassle. Just let's just yeah. And the fact that I mean, I love the fact because him and Piper do have this great kind of relationship in it, where they almost like. You know, Piper's desperate for him to believe him, and he's like, "Just fucking leave it, mate." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I've got enough on my plate, and uh, and he won't. But yeah, they do they do play off each other really well. Really he's got, well. He's got a wife and kids back in Denver or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Detroit. His wife, Detroit, and kids in yeah. Detroit, aren't they? 
because um, Nada's from Denver. That's all we know That's about. That's it, yeah. He's come down from Denver, where they close 12 banks. In a yeah, because I don't think he even gives his name in the film, does he? Uh... Nope. Nobody ever calls him um, by his name. Which Nada makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and actually in the in the original short story, I mean, the guy was called George Nada. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if you've ever read 8 a.m. In the morning. I haven't, no. Um, Good short, I mean, it's not even a short story. It's probably about 500 words or something. Do you know what I mean? It is a short, short story, but it's actually really good. And, yeah, because um, I know, like I say, they adapted it into a comic as well, didn't they? Which is part of Amazingly, what... though, I've got to say, that it was written in 1963 or 68. I think it was Yeah, somewhere like that. I don't know if I put the date. And incredibly, like, you could write it today. Well, this you know, film is incredibly impressive even now. And, and the short story, you could just transplant it today. And, yeah. and they live, obviously. You know, you could you could just lift and pick and drop today. Although it wouldn't be as good because Piper's not around. But, you know, you could remake it. I know they talked about remakes. I'm sure we'll come on to. But um, it's so of its time now as well, which is a bit depressing in a way, really. Yeah. In, in some ways, it feels more of its time at the minute with... Distrust yeah. in media and multiple conspiracy theories, and yeah, it's a, it's akin to when you read 1984, and you, if you read 1984 now, you kind of think, Jesus Christ, you know, was, was the guy a time traveler? Because he's talking about even things like thought crime, you know, where you can't. What they do is they'll remove words from the vocabulary, so people don't say those words because they don't know about them. As generations, and that's the idea: is that if you don't use them, people won't be aware of those words, and therefore you can make people more subservient, and they won't kind of rebel because they, they're not having these thoughts. Yeah, and and it's and that happens now. We we get that, you know, where certain things are taken out of the the common sort of sort of eye line, as it were, and people forget about it in an instant. And it's the same with this. It's just it's so. Of it, I, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's incredible how how accurate it is, which is quite depressing because that tells you that actually in the last sixty years we haven't actually progressed. No, if anything, anywhere we, other than we've probably got worse than we were. I was going to say point. we've probably degressed, but it's just, there's more opportunity to basically screw everyone over for individual gain, which is the purpose of the film, really. Well, that's it, because not to get political, but it feels a bit like a MAGA conspiracy about the rich elite and, you know, yeah. whatever cult they think they're in. It, it, is, it plays like that a little bit. And I know that Carpenter was taking some swipes at liberals as well in this film. Mm -hmm. I think that was part of his Siskel and Ebert swipe. Yeah, well, I mean, Carpenter, when you think about Carpenter, I mean, he, he was a self-professed capitalist. He didn't, yeah. didn't, you know, he was quite happy to make money and stuff and didn't think there was anything wrong with it. What he what he didn't like and what he saw, and I think what the short story made him think about was what happens when that's uncontrolled. Yeah. What happens in when the line between big corporations and government are not blurred, but essentially non-existent, you know, yeah. and... and Almost, it's almost like the government are working for big corporations. Now, we can see in this country at the moment, that's exactly what goes on. You know, we've got a bunch of, and obviously to politicise, but you can't help it, especially when you're looking at this film. You know, we've got a bunch of people who are not fit for office. They, they, 
should not even be anywhere near power, being bankrolled by corporations and by, you know, media moguls and, and you know, Russian oligarchs and all this kind of nonsense. And they're controlling, like, the fate of millions of people, which is all geared towards increasing the profit at the top end. Yeah. You know, the privatization of the NHS, perfect example. And Carpenter saw this coming. He saw what would happen if you took the idea of, you know, capitalism and Reaganomics. That was the thing that triggered all this, obviously. It was with the whole Reaganomics bit and the boom and, and the bust. And essentially, you know, greed is good and all that stuff. And he, he kind of saw what happens when that just becomes uncontrollable, as we are now, I'd argue. Oh well, yeah, you've just got to look at the cost and, of living crisis. <laughs> yeah, and he, that's what he played on. So even though he was quite happy to be a capitalist, he was he was trying to be one of those kind of response. If you can be a responsible capitalist, he wasn't believing trickle down bollocks. Um, this is what he was against. But again, on the flip side, he was also very conscious of you know that extreme on the liberal side as well, where you yeah. know, you can get people that that almost want to live within misery. Uh, you know, it's like the Mother Teresa thing, isn't it? You know, apparently she, she was quite happy. She thought it was correct that some people lived in misery because that's how, that's what made them the people they were and that's that's what God wanted from them. And it's like, right, so you want people to live horrible lives then just to justify your mate in the sky narrative. And it's it's kind of, it's it's just really, really sad that we're there again yeah. more than ever. And and again, you know, so I think what Carpenter was doing with the liberal stuff was he was trying to balance it out a little bit, saying, look, you know, greed isn't good and, and unregulated capitalism isn't good. But actually, you know, the flip side is that some people can be a bit too, you know, holier than thou for their own good. Yeah. And they'll talk about doing stuff and they'll wring their hands about the, the terrible treatment of people. But are they actually getting off their asses and doing anything? Nine times out of ten, no. No, that's it. Oh. He recognises the extremes on both sides, I think, and mm. plays that. Um, and I think it was, like I say, not to get massive. Obviously, we've gone massively political. Sorry. But no, no, no. Because <laughs> I think, out. like I say, I think that's what plays so well in this film now is you look at it and you're like, fuck. You know, mm. you can see why some MAGA people would look at this film and be like, Roddy Roddy Piper is my MAGA hero kind of thing in this film because he's taking down oh. the wealthy elite. Oh. Absolutely. And he's, he's not and, he's not that at all, but you can put your own politics onto this character. Of course you can. And the great irony is those you know, those maggot whatever you want to call them, I mean you could say dipshits if you want, but um they they bow at the feet of the wealthy elite. Mm. I mean, this is a great irony, isn't it? I mean it's like and that's that's another theme within within the film, is that they the corruption of the media and of the public narrative, the, the public discourse is such that people idolise the people that are doing them the harm. Yeah. And it, it, and it, that's exactly what goes on today. I mean, you look at that, you know, you look at the Trump stuff and all that. He doesn't give two shits about any of those people. No. He doesn't give two shits about anyone. And yet they will quite literally storm the capital for him. And they were quite literally, you know, have an uprising of, of kind of power and democracy. And then when they get arrested, oh, he's fucking nowhere to be seen, is he? But they'll still believe that 
is there for them and and that's that's an incredible achievement of brainwashing on a huge scale and i know it's much more complex than trump and all that you know he didn't start the whole maga thing you know he just latched onto it like he does with everything like a big fat wiggy leech but you know it's just shocking that as a species <laughs> that can do the fantastic things we could do we can also just reach for these gaps and let any weird cult you know whether it's religious cults or whatever fill it yeah. you know and again this is this is one of the main themes of, of the film isn't it you know it's about you know aliens of which you could say well you know rich people could be alien to, to some people they could be alien to me and you the super rich because we ain't, we don't know what their lives are like the royal family was once described to me as aliens because somebody met them and said they, they cannot function with normal people absolutely cannot function <laughs> it's like you drop them from a different planet and they were like well, you know what do i do here and um and it's like you know aliens rule the 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 media they rule the country they rule the messaging you know they they rule the banks they rule and and that's not a conspiracy thing you could actually say well actually to a degree that is true yeah. you know we don't have an open and honest democratic media we have who can pay the most for it yeah and and that's that's sadly how people then fall in line but yeah, it's, it's a brilliant way of doing it <laughs> that's it and it's not a great fight because <laughs> there is a thing with this that like with keith david he's roddy piper was trying to convince him and he's just wants to keep his head down and go with it and i think it is also a critique of that apathy that people have of just yeah. nothing's ever going to change i'll just go with it like the guy just transfixed to the tv when he walks past yeah. him and he's just staring at the ones in the shop window while the preacher's yeah. doing it they got the preacher doing the thing about you know the shit going on and again it's it's that belief that you are completely powerless yeah and and lennon john lennon not lennon but lennon john lennon said this which was um he was asked about politics and i remember a great quote where he says do you know who the most the most powerful person in the country is and they were like prime minister and he's like no he said it's the man and the woman on the street because they've got the power to change it but what the greatest trick that the government do is they convince you that you haven't got any power at all and and that's true you think yeah. about it all these people that don't vote and and you know whether people vote or not it's entirely their decision but they, they go i'm gonna i'm gonna show them by not voting it's like well <laughs> you're not showing anybody anything what you're doing is you're accepting whatever the outcome is and then you're going to moan about it but the fact is you know i've been in political things and i know what happens to to spoil ballots and all that stuff is they're just discarded they, they yeah. count them because they have to isn't anything but none of the above is never going to win an election you know i don't care how many people do it yeah so the people go like i'll prove it by this by spoiling my ballot you're like well you're not proving anything other than you couldn't be asked making a decision that would affect not just you but hopefully the decision you make you would make it for the greater good which you know that might be a weird concept to some people but you know try and vote in a way that will help make things better for people not just yourself and and again this is this is a perfect example of that control but set in a really really interesting way of it being you know aliens and us and the super elite and then everybody beneath that and yeah. if you're in you're in and if you're not in you're fucked basically well, that's what I, like. I like that shot of roddy piper from the homeless camp 
Yeah. Which I love that homeless camp set. Was it a real homeless camp? You yeah. Know? It's it's yeah. a really good thing, but I love how it looks over at the you know rich high skyscrapers and yeah, and that and it, it is and it, and the fact that that is real is again, you know, it's just one of those incredible things that Carpenter wanted that that genuine sense of, yeah. of the divide, and um, he used the real homeless camp and he paid them all as extras. That that's that was his deal. And he had issues, I believe, with the unions, which is why he has he has a swipe at the unions quite a bit in it. Um, you know, this is a unionized, you know, and a lot because they they were unhappy about allegedly about some of the homeless people being paid as extras. And he's like, "Fucking homeless!" Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, what are we going to move them all out and move a lot of actors in to pretend to be homeless and move them back in again? Yeah. It's like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, and and without it, you kind of admire Carpenter. You go, fair enough. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's got it. Well, yeah, it'd be no different than, like, you know, Ken Loach wanting to pay to use your house and go in, why don't you be in the street scene? Yeah. It's essentially yeah. all they did. They just didn't have a house. It's... Yeah. But, but, yeah, and I mean, even Roddy Piper, to a certain degree, doesn't, you know, he has that line of, I believe in America, I follow the rules. It's, it's only when he gets his eyes open. He's suspicious of things like the church across the street. Yep. Um, I love when the hijacker takes over the TV and then he's <laughs> looking at the TV and he's looking at the preacher and the preacher's mouthing along perfectly with what the guy's saying. Mm. Mm. It's, yeah. it's such a great thing. <laughs> and I love funny. the guy when he's like, why does he keep doing this? He's not just some idiot licking his nuts again. <laughs> Which we'll come on to that guy later. And it is funny because it's a, it's a funny film as well. I mean, it's got some serious messages, obviously, and it's got some some fun stuff. But it's it's got a lot of humour in it, yeah, um, for quite a serious theme. Um, but that's Carpenter in it. I mean, you know, the thing's got some humorous bits in it. You know, it ain't ain't laugh a minute. But there's some bits that always no, make he, he knows laugh. how to break that tension, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. And almost, exactly. I mean, we talked about it on the thing one. He sort of lulls you into a false sense of security. It's sort of when he does something funny, you know some shit's going to go down. Not so much with this one. This one's great at building up. Yeah. I think it kind of rushes through its ending. The end just sort of happens, but it's a wonderful job building up. I love, um, you know, in sneaking around the church and seeing that it's a tape recording of the choir and all that stuff and him finding yeah. the sunglasses but not being able to work out what they're for. I've got to say, it's quite funny, isn't it, that for um, for a, an underground resistance movement, um, they're not very good at hiding the stuff, are they? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like he walks through a door and there's like a lot of boxes with these glasses. But then everything else is hidden. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So uh, it is quite amusing in that sense. There's a few... You you could be critical of some of the plot holes that that it's like that's convenient. Like when he falls through, um, you know, into the the secret bit by accident, and it's like, mm. <laughs> but um, you know, hey, it's ninety. What is it? Ninety minutes or something? It's got to yeah. move at pace, and it, you know, it's not the it's not. Going that's to it because that's the weird thing is it really takes its time, and then it's almost like John. Car- it's a bit like a author who's like, oh, I'm nearly at my five hundred word count, and then they all died. Yeah. And and this film kind of feels like that to a certain degree. I, I kind of feel it's a bit different in so much as it starts really slowly, and then once it starts moving, 
It's like a fucking train. It's mm. just gone. And the ending is crazy shit. You know, yeah, the we'll, ending we'll, is crazy. We'll come on shit. to the ending, but but it, it kind of just like just once it starts running, it's like it's going downhill. <laughs> it's like it's off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's interesting, but um, yeah, it goes through this kind of you know reflective melancholy bit, and then you end up just like boom. You know, everything well, I think quite literally goes off. I think because I think it's more important for the film to set up what kind of world we're in. Yeah. It's familiar. I mean, I was, what, eight or nine when this film came out or was being made. So I don't remember much. But for me, I was a kid. The 80s were great. It was Transformers, He-Man, fucking Batman. Um, So, yeah, I don't really know much about the hardships of Thatcherism and Reaganism. Mm. So... But obviously they're portraying that, but they're also got to lay the groundwork that you know it's not quite as straightforward as what you possibly think it is. Mm. And then obviously he's he's watching the church. So when he was snooping around the church, I had Snoopy Roddy Piper. I've done a few of these. I do. Very good. Those in oh, I like no, I like him so far. And then I'm not when he's by any just yet, so that's okay. Then when he's watching the church through the binoculars, I've got him as Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Which was a great one from The Simpsons, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, yeah, he's tremendous. Only Piper. It's just, it's just such a for a Canadian as well. You know, he loves America. Yeah, so that must have that must have took him some practice to say that. But um, yeah, the 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 whole so the whole premise of they go to this homeless camp and then he sees the church and he starts to get an idea that there's something not quite right. You know, there's something a bit, bit off, off ski, yeah, and uh, and then he he falls into the, you know he finds these glasses, falls into the, the this kind of like secret lair and finds. What's it? Because the police come and destroy the camp, don't they? Absolutely destroy the camp, don't they? Jesus, That's you know, police brutality and everyone in it. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, which again, we'll come back to that later when a certain character pops up again, mm-hmm. um, and then like you say, if. You know, finds a box, nicks it, hides down an alley. As as I look through it, can't work out why there's sunglasses in it, but figures they look cool, so we'll take a pair anyway. It's LA, isn't it? That's it. Sunglasses, aren't you? And and then you get that reveal where he puts them on and then looks and then takes them off and puts them on. And I love the scene at the newsstand. Yeah, with the guy. And um, is that the guy that's got a light? As well, is that another? Oh, no, that's another guy in it. Cause that's in the short story. They got a light bit. Um, yeah, so he's basically at newsstand, and he puts the glasses on, and he turns, and he starts to see all of the, the magazines are kind of like obey and sleep and you know consume, and and obviously this is where the whole capitalism and consumerism, the rise of consumerism, is being laid out in black and white. Ironically, you know that you're just there to consume and and to you know. Marry and reproduce, and it's basically just keep, you know, keep giving them more and more people to control um, in the world, and keep producing more and more. That obviously trickles down. Oh no, sorry, it doesn't trickle down, does it? It all goes upwards yeah. to, to make people richer. So there's a guy stood there trying to get some cigarettes or something, and he looked and he, he, he's got the the kind of. I'm sure people listening to this have probably seen at least the pictures, like because the. The old bay image with the guy with the skeleton. I hope they've seen the film because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's their own fault, isn't it? But, um, yeah, he's buying a newspaper, isn't he? Yeah, and um, and it, that's the first time we see the the kind of what were they called in the story? They call the fascinators. 
in the original story. That was the name for them. Um, because obviously to fascinate someone was to, to leave them kind of dumbstruck and in awe. Yeah. Um, so they were they would call a fascinating. They don't call them anything. Well, he calls them a few things, doesn't he? But they they don't get a name. I don't think in this. So they I don't I don't recall them actually having a kind of name. No, I don't remember having a name. I love the design of them. They're great, aren't they? And even now, when you look, it's like it's a very simple design. Um, but apparently, um, they were all played by one guy as well. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Well, even the women, <laughs> one stuntman. Uh... Played every every time you see anybody in there because he was the only guy that could fit into the uh, the outfits and stuff that they had <laughs> and the masks and that. So yeah, that one guy, one stunt guy, played all of them apparently. Well, um, he got to have some fun later on in the film, didn't he? Oh, aye, didn't he? Just uh, obligatory booby shots. Yes, you got have in there. I, I love that they saved that until the very end. It's like nobody. Well, I'm sure there was nobody. people halfway through penning a letter of complaint. Yeah. Uh, dear Mr. Carpenter, where, where are the boobs in my '80s horror film? You bastard! Thing had no boobs, and now <laughs> you know. Once again, you've you've diddled us out of a bit of boobage, and then boom, he delivers at the end, and he with a great comedy yeah. ending. Again, I wonder if that's also a play on the Siskel and Ebert thing. So obviously, you have got the Siskel alien saying about he's at it with all this sex and violence and all that, yeah. and then you get the gratuitous sex <laughs> yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously he goes into the supermarket. I love that he's insulted them. And then he looks at the one person who isn't there and he goes, you, you're all right. You. Yeah. The feeling is definitely there. It's a new morning in America. Fresh, vital. The old cynicism is gone. We have faith in our leaders. We're optimistic as to what becomes of it all. It really boils down to our ability to accept. We don't need pessimism. There are no limits. <laughs> it figures would be something like this. Our nation, our ideal, oh. vision. Excuse me. Just survive. You know, you look like your head fell on the cheese dip back in 1957. <gasps> you, you're okay. This one, real fucking ugly. You see, I take these glasses off. She looks like a regular person, doesn't she, huh? Put them back on, formaldehyde face. That's what That's we got. That's enough out of you. You get out or I call the cops. Call the cops? You know what you need? You need a Brazilian plastic surgeon. I've got one that can see. He's a tall Caucasian male, doesn't appear armed, wearing sunglasses. I don't like this one bit. Not one bit. That's the only bit that I think when you when you watch the film, it seems a little bit forced. Yeah. The rest of his reactions seem very normal, but you know, when he starts like just sort of late, it's it's a it's a woman, isn't it? He starts talking to. Yeah, because it's um, the older woman who does the um. We've got one that can see, and then when he yeah. looks around, people are slowly walking towards him. Yeah, which is actually quite horrible. Um, the whole concept of you you can't you know you can't tell who is and who isn't unless you got the glasses on. And even the guy that going back to the newspaper stand, the bomb bit about that scene that creeps me out is the way he just keeps staring at him. Yeah, and you know people 
kind of like look away and look back and he's still staring at him. It's like he knows that he knows, but he's not sure that he knows. And and it's a bit like, ooh, you know, it's a bit, a bit creepy. Move a bit like the homeless people in Prince of Darkness. Mm. They've got yeah. that sort of vibe. Yeah. Um, I like that you've got a guy talking about like, you know, his work problems or whatever with another guy in the store and the one guy's a human yeah. guy and the other guy's an alien. It's just like, kind of yeah. like, you know, I could be an alien and you could be a normal person, but neither of us are kind of thing. And... No, hang on, where's my glasses? It's a... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, taking them off against you. No offence. <laughs> I'm better looking without um... glasses. Everybody said it. But it is, and, and again, it's those little things though, isn't it? When you see there's, there's a woman loading up the car and the woman's talking about you know, oh, she should go to this kind of class with a baby, you know, and it's like this very normal. Oh, talking about Lamar's classes, isn't it? yeah, it's the chit chat between the aliens and the people that that is so clever because you you go actually, do you know, and and again in real life, how many times has this happened where you've been chatting to someone and they've seemed completely and utterly normal, and you've been chatting away, and then all of a sudden they'll say something and like a little red flag will go up, and you're like, hang on a minute. This something, something not right here, you know. It's like, oh yeah, you know, they'll drop in some flat Earth reference or something, and you kind of like, whoop! I didn't uh, see that coming, you know. I, I once went on a girl on a date with a girl. Went on, I once went on a girl. <laughs> I once went I on a different podcast. Yeah, I once went on a date with a girl. We were in the pub, and we were like, you know, chatting, and it was great. She was into film. I was into film. We were talking and all that, and then yeah. just out of nowhere, she was like, "Of course, you know, we should blow up all abortion centers." And I was like, oh, this just took a turn. I told her I had to go home and watch Highlander 2, which I think was probably more insulting. Fucking hell. <laughs> Jesus, man. That's, that's some shit. That's heavy shit. But it? it just came from fucking nowhere. And that's the thing. That's, again, the other strength of this film is that they are amongst us. Yeah. You know, then these people who think they're crazy. I mean, these people, these, these QAnon nuts and all that lot. They're out there, man. They're out there, and you can't you can't scan them like Star Trek. Do you know no. what I mean? You, you ain't got the glasses, but you know for a fact that that some of them are out there, and you you just don't know until they let that mask slip again. Ironically, you know. <laughs> to be fair, most but, QAnoners are quite good at letting you know they're well, a yeah, QAnon. They, yeah, you can usually tell, can't you? Um, that, you know, they, they usually got the tongue stuck to sort of a window or a frozen pole or something. <laughs> but Licking it's a like, fish finger. It, it's just crazy. It's crazy what's out there. And um, yeah, it, it really makes you think. But we've all had that. I will defy anyone not to have that situation where you've had a quite a pleasant conversation and it's suddenly taken a left turn. And like you, you're like, I'm sorry, I've got to go home and fucking, you know, peel my eyelids or something. <laughs> Crazy Highlander two's on Highlander two. So what? Why but Highlander two, Stu? What? Because that was that literally what was on telly. That was the only thing I could think of that was on telly, and I was like, "Was it? Oh, it's Highlander two's on in twenty minutes. I want to get home and watch it." Which I think is just no. painful. I, I'd have been better being like, you know, just. I think that was the cruelest thing I could have said in retrospect. Yeah, but I don't know. But yeah, so then obviously he leaves. You get the police, the scene with the two police officers. Yeah, who seem kind of reasonable to begin with. The police officers—they're kind of like you know, want to brush it away, kind of thing. 
It's, it's Roddy mm-hmm. Piper who kicks their ass, but you know they are aliens. Because that's the other thing. You get a sort of idea of what the aliens are there for, but there's nothing really that tells you they're malicious, malicious intent. Because yeah. yeah. they seem quite happy living among us. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of a weird deal. Like I say, there's a sort of hint at what they do. They go from planet to planet, kind of thing, setting them up as bases for themselves, kind of thing. Yeah, which we find out that they just basically go planet to planet and absolutely drain them of resources, and then and then yeah. They're like the Independence Day aliens. Yeah, and it's it's very again, you know, it's it's very much that kind of um, consumerism, capitalist idea, isn't it? That it's basically what we're doing. We'll to just ourselves. take everything, forget the consequence about what we're doing, because you know we'll get what we want, and you can just manage. And it's like, yeah, but you know, if you look at the whole thing around climate change and all that stuff. You know, people really need to just think a bit differently. I'm not yeah. saying that, you know, everything has to you have to do everything, but you know, you can't just pretend that it doesn't really matter at all. Cause yeah. you know, some poor fucker's gonna pay for this. And we're yeah. seeing that now, you know. So and it's that kind of message, isn't it? That they go around and they just suck the life literally out of everything and then they move on. Um, it's not just that. Looking at it on like a consumer level you think even from like you know late 80s mid 90s how many shops have disappeared mm-hmm. because the bigger boys have destroyed them so initially it was like you know your bookshop around the corner was destroyed mm-hmm. by your waterstone or your otakers your waterstones then those bigger boys like Woolworths and that were slowly destroyed by amazon yep. and then yeah yeah and it is the it is sad, really. I mean, you go into the town centre now and it's pretty desperate, isn't it? What it is, because you know? if, if it's not Amazon destroying them, then it's the taxes on the shops and yeah, all those rates, and, and they're just getting raked and, over the coals. And the thing people forget is that, you know, that's, pe- that's for some people, that's their jobs, their livelihoods, that's the family's jobs and livelihoods, you know? And, and that's what whittles down always, community. Yeah, and, and that's that's, again... Why I think um, Carpenter quite deliberately goes to the the kind of the homeless as a play because he's kind of saying, look, you know, this is the extreme. These are the people already forgotten by society, and and again, it's true. It's true here, and it's true, you know, in the states, and it's true, you know, obviously in, in other places. But it's, um, you know, if you find yourself in that terrible situation, you will find that you're already like screwed so everything that anyone does that makes it even one percent worse has a massive impact on you yeah um and you're right and it's the same with the shops you know great you can get stuff delivered the next day but is it the same as going into a shop and buying stuff and having a chat with someone and getting to know them it's like comics you know we you know if you had a comic shop you could go in and chat to people about stuff and I don't know, you just, and all of that then leads to a breakdown in that ability to have a society that has a debate and a discourse with other yeah. people, you know, and it, it, it kind of sadly all, it's all cyclical, isn't it? You know, it's, it's kind of just goes round. Well, yeah, I mean, I always liken it to like going to the music shop or in my case, the video shop and getting recommended mm. films to watch that weren't always for me, and, but like going to a music shop and they're playing music. 
if you yeah. went on Amazon, you just look for the shit you're interested in, maybe try it before you buy it kind of thing, but there's no more going to the record shop and be like, what are you playing? And then them yeah. telling you about stuff and sort of, and you just sold this pre-packaged music, which I've got nothing against modern music. If you like Ed Sheeran, you like yeah. Ed Sheeran, whatever. But it is all sort of safe, pre-packaged. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. Kind um, of stuff. And yeah, like I say, that's another thing that this film sort of does well is that it is, with the exception of the homeless community, it is a breakdown of that community. Roddy Piper mm-hmm. wants to be left alone. Keith David welcomes Roddy Piper into the thing, but at the same time doesn't want to get involved in his shit. Yeah. And the thing I do like with, with Piper's character is that when he becomes aware, because there's two ways you can deal with these things, isn't there? When when people lift the scales from your eyes and tell you like what's really going on, you can either react to it or not. And And again, it's a common psychological thing, isn't it? Some people will just not react they'll they'll just want to go back to what was comfortable and, and live in ignorance and, and go actually do you know what i just want to go back to this now it's the matrix red pill blue pill and i've never seen the matrix you know uh, fair enough um, but i'm aware of the concepts but yeah you're right it's exactly and and again you know it's exactly the same concept isn't it where you know some people will want to, some people will go i'm not fucking having this hang on a minute you know something's got to be done and some people will just go well it is what it is you know I won't bother having an opinion. Um, but I'll go on social media and whinge about it all the time, probably. Yeah. And tell it, other people where they've gone wrong. You know, they've never it. done fucking anything in their own lives to make anything yeah. better for anyone, usually. But, <laughs> Not speaking from experience of people I've known. <laughs> but then we get the iconic scene that pretty much everybody must know from this film, where he takes the shotgun from the cops and walks into a bank. And now, he's come to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and he's all out of bubblegum. Yeah. Now, this is where I don't think They Live would have been the success it was without Piper. Yeah. Because he, he a lot of the lines that he used throughout, and, and there are a lot of one-liners in there, you know, um, came from Piper himself. Cause he used well, to this is why before. Carpenter used the name Frank Armitage, is because it was stuff taken from the short story the comic, plus mm. ad-libs from the cast and that. He didn't feel like he could put his name on it as a writer. Yeah. Which is why he went with Frank Armitage. Which is and... pretty pretty good. Pretty decent. Um, but Piper used to keep, and again, it's in his book and stuff, he'd keep a little notepad with him where he'd be thinking up random one-liners that he could, and he'd wait until he could use them in a, in a kind of wrestling context. So he'd just write ideas down about things he could say. Um Things he could say that would get some heat on him when he was a he was a baddie, as so to say, a heel, so that you know he he knew how to wind the crowd up and all that. Lot. And he was a master at that. And things to say to insult people, and then he'd look at where could he use it. And and the the bubblegum one, he used um, I think he used it with uh, Playboy Buddy Rose years years and years yeah. before. Um, but yeah, he had a whole list of them, and I think it as. Legend has it, he gave pipe, he gave Carpenter the book and said, have a flip through, is anything you like, let me know. And he picked the bubblegum one straight away. Because he's got that, and then shortly after he's got the, when the guy is in the bank is um, saying that, you know, he's here, he's here talking into his watch, he's like, mama don't like no tattletales. 
Yeah, and again, another one. And if you ever watch anything with Piper in it, if you ever watch his promos, his wrestling stuff, they were all like boom, 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 you know, yeah. one-liners and stuff. Um, but the thing, the, the only bit when you start getting a bit questionable about the whole film um, is when he goes into the bank and he, he almost goes a bit crazy apeshit. Yeah. He's just shooting people. He has a Roddy Roddy Rampage. Yeah. Very good. Um, and then you start to think, what if what if he's just having a breakdown? So what if? <laughs> right. Well, think of this. And I've read this theory as well and thought, actually, you know, first thought now. And I thought, actually, when you watch it, mm, could could fit. What if he's just having an episode where none of this is real and he's just gone? Postal, if you pardon the phrase, yeah. Stuart. Um, but it, you know, he's just he's just gone on a rampage, and he's become obsessed that actually, because again, we've seen this happen, haven't we? You know, you've seen shootings where people are, you know, God told me to do it or whatever, or you know. Well, again, throwing it back to the QAnon, you've only got to look at that. Some of yeah. the QAnon people who killed their own kids because they were convinced they were lizard people. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and then you start to think, well, that's an interesting slam, you know. Mm. What if? And then obviously we find out at the end when every, when everybody wakes up, um, he is actually doing yeah. the right thing by killing the aliens. But yeah, for a moment you do kind of think, oh, it's an interesting take, isn't it? Yeah, again, you can see why conspiracy theory people gravitate towards this film and possibly mm. that's what I've always liked about Carpenter films. I mean, H and I talked about it a lot with The Thing as well, is that there's so many different theories that right. John Carpenter has always been so good at being like, you know, yeah, yeah, no, you're spot on with that one. And then in his next interview, being like, yeah, no, that, that, that was all bullshit. Yeah. And just keeping yeah. people guessing. It's like The Shining. The amount, there was, I mean, there was a whole documentary made around the conspiracy theories about The Shining. Mm. And Carpenter's very good at laying that groundwork as well of, yeah, is yeah. it more than I think yeah. it is or is it what it is? Yeah. And we all do it, don't we? We all read into stuff. But we that's all, the beauty all... of art, isn't it? It's, yeah. Whether yeah. it's, let's be honest, superficial art like this, or at least on the face of it, superficial art, you know, it's a mm. dumb sci-fi horror action movie. Or, you know, whether it's fucking Schindler's List. There's mm. there's an art to it all, and it's what you take away from it, and there's no right or wrong yeah. if you genuinely take that away from the film, unless you're like, you know, oh, I side with this guy. And it's like, well, that guy was clearly a fucking monster. Mm. Mm. Occasionally, no, right. you get a dangerous thing of people taking the wrong message away from films, but yeah, yeah. And I think and I think like Carpenter was a master at that. Yeah, you're right, and and you know, again, um, that that idea of you know everyone will take something differently from from art is, is quite an old concept. I mean, yeah. when Magritte was asked, you know, the great surrealist René Magritte, and he was asked to explain his paintings in the exhibition, he's like, no. What's going on? This one's on. What do you think is going on? <laughs> and that was his. That was his whole thing. It's like you know, I know what I'm thinking, but I can't tell you what you're going to think. So, you well, see, I think that's why Carpenter likes confirming conspiracy theories and then denying them the next week. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He, he does play a bit of a game with it, doesn't he? But I do, I do think you're right though. There's that element of, um, you know, everyone will read what they want to read out of something. You know, they'll see what they want to see and they'll believe what they want to believe. And even though you can stand up and go, no, that's not what this is about. If somebody wants to believe it enough, they'll believe it. Yeah. And that's just that's just the way people are. 
you know yeah i think the word is crackers yeah um but we are very we're very determined in our own beliefs aren't we and and that's it because that's that's the other thing if this film was made now again i said it with h and the thing episode if it was made now there'd be an over explanation of what this is why this is where this is when this is who this is and there'd be nothing to take away that's why a lot of films even films i enjoy on a base level are fucking boring because everything's there for me or it's setting up something else beyond that film so the marvel films when you look at them as much as there are ones in those that i think are really good really enjoyable films on a base level they're telling me everything i need and they're laying groundwork for me to spend more money to go and watch the next film whereas this i I mean, it was before sequels were a major thing anyway. Obviously, you had all the Halloween stuff and that. But I don't imagine John Carpenter made this film thinking they live too. Yeah. So he, was, he dangles was, enough to keep you satisfied and also enough to... That was the beauty of, like, Star Wars, the original trilogy. Before we got everything else, mm. was speculation of how did Anakin fall? How mm. did Darth Vader kill Anakin? All this stuff. Mm. Yeah. What was true yeah. from a certain point of view? Yeah, that's true. True, and I think um, just just something you said then just just made me think about you know explanation. I think part of the problem is that we're losing the ability for critical thought. We can't fill the gaps anymore. Um, and I've seen this with people where I'll I'll read something and go, "What the f- what?" I think, "Why did so and so do that?" And it's like, well. Why does it matter? Do you know what I mean? Well, you've like, only got to look at the amount of YouTube videos that are like the ending explained. Like, you've oh. got to have everything. Yeah, you've got to have everything explained and everything's got to be laid out and wrapped up in a neat package. And, and it's like, it doesn't, it really doesn't. And I think that's a, maybe it is as a result of social media and the way we are today. And maybe that because Hollywood has played to that, you know, where Everything has to be neatly packaged. Everything has to have a very clear, defined end. Otherwise, everyone goes, well, it was all right, but the ending was shit. You know, how many times have you seen it have been brilliant all the way through and people have hated the last episode because it didn't finish the way they thought it would finish yeah, or the way they thought it should have finished or it didn't explain something that they were waiting for? And and you're like, but that's that's the point, you know? It's like the end of the thing, isn't it? Which I'm sure you talked about, so that, you know. But that ends. That's probably like one of those great open endings that yeah. you go, it "Ain't going to end well." And when you watch it, it's quite obvious that you know what's going on. Um, but he doesn't explain it. He doesn't feel the need to explain. He doesn't feel the need to get you know six months later. You know, it's like we don't need it. Use your imagination. Use your own intelligence to to fill the gaps or to to create these kind of, you know, oh, I wonder what happened. Mm. But now everything has got to be laid out. And to a degree, this film does and doesn't do it, weirdly. It kind of does wrap it up. It, it sort of wraps it up doesn't. the Roddy Piper story, doesn't it? But yeah. it doesn't tell you what happens once well, everybody can see him. It opens up the next bit, and then that's that's left, you know? Yeah. Like, you know... So what happens when everybody wakes up? Well, 
this ain't the film that's going to tell you, you know. And it's that was that was great. I like that. I really did like that. Yeah, Carpenter was great at those satisfying but open ended things, even like Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, it's got a nice they walk out together kind of thing, but then you're like, but that's not the end of the story because that guy's a criminal on death row kind of thing, mm. and the other guy's a cop, they're not going to be buddies and go for a beer. Yeah, yeah. And, or like Halloween, you get the empty rooms and you can hear Michael Myers breathing. Wonderful. Closes the film, but at the same time leaves a thread dangling. The thing, like yeah. you said, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Leaves a thread yeah. dangling. This leaves a thread dangling. He's great yeah. at that stuff. I mean, even um like you know, things like Big Trouble, you yeah. know, they do, you know, it's Jack going off in the Pork Chop Express, and, you know, and it, there's there's a whole load of shit behind him. That's it. And, He's got that beastie thing on his truck, and yeah. it's the uh, live it's and let die ending. But yeah, he was he was brilliant, wasn't he? At that Carpenter, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I love Carpenter. I think he's he's great. It's yeah, one same. Of, one of the the true, um, kind of independent. Sort of legends and geniuses of, of our time, you know. I think, I mean, obviously, that we wouldn't have a whole slasher movement and stuff, but you know, it just he's just very, very clever carpenter. Yeah. The way he, he uses like subtle things, you know, again, like the black and white and stuff like that, you know. It, but it's not that that over the head that it it puts you off. You know, yeah. he doesn't do things that, that you go, oh, you know, it's a bit obvious, isn't it? Well, they won't be obvious today to people because we've already just, uh, you know, ascertained they can't fucking think out of them. Well, so, um, yeah. you know, I'm sorry if you're one of those people who think you can think and you do think, in which case I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> um, or was he open ended but closed off? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I'm going to be popular after this, aren't I? I've got all the right wingers after me. Oh, that's it. We're going to. And all the oh. critical non thinkers. Uh, I get all the press for the wrong reasons, but it's all right, also mate. the right reasons. Nigel Farage will be having a go up. with us. I'll, I'll have a shiny bauble up in the corner. That'll distract him. <laughs> but anyway, we've, we've buried the lead because then he takes Meg Foster hostage. Evil Lynn herself. Evil Lynn, yeah. With the most incredible eyes. I oh, she has got the most. But the problem with Meg Foster is that you like, you see those eyes and you're just like, yeah, she's a wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. Purely, it's a bit like casting, like, you know, I don't know, Stellan Starsgard in a film as a good guy, but then you kind of, well, no, he's going to be shifty as fuck, isn't he? Yeah. We're just going through a rewatch of VR, actually, which is very good. Yeah. And then she's in the first series of that as well. She is, yeah. It's been I, a long time. I've watched They Live, VR. and then the next next time I watched it, she's in it. I was like, oh, thank God. Um, but yeah, again, um, it's a strange one, this because you kind of this is where like Nardo runs into this bit of a dodge territory where he's kind of a little bit, you know, um, overly aggressive. But then again, he's just realized that the world has been run by aliens, or is he? And she's trying to placate him, you know, by doing the old, I'll, I'll, I'm not putting the glasses on. It's like, put them on, you know, after he's kidnapped her and gone back to her place, which you then thinking when you first watch it, you're thinking this, this is going a bit south, isn't it? Um, but he's a decent guy now. He's not going to do anything like that. He just wants a nap. Um, he just wants a nap. And what Roddy happens? Roddy she ends up cold cocking him and throwing him out a window. <laughs> I do love her um, neighbours. Yeah. The guy watering his plants watching. <laughs> yeah. Great bit of stunt work that as well, isn't it? 
that's that's yeah. a proper stunt stunt job. That'd be CGI to shit now, wouldn't it? But oh, yeah, that was a guy yeah. jumping out of a fucking big long drop of a No, window. they'd have done it practically, but then they'd have CGI'd it afterwards because yeah. why not? Brilliant. Um but yeah, but, that's a great stunt. But yeah, so because she's a weird character, because she's there, she disappears, she's there, she disappears, then she's there again. Yeah, conveniently. Which is, I mean, you've got the plot convenience that he happens to kidnap a woman who works at the station and he needs to go to at the end anyway. <laughs> yeah, but then again, if you think about it, it's that widespread that potentially, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the odds are in your favour that you would, but. Yeah, because he's he's not. He's not mobile, is he? He's not got a car. He's not driving state to state. So, actually, you would probably presume a lot of people work at that station. I do like that he starts putting the glasses on before he starts trusting people. He does it with Frank. He does it with her. Can he make sure it's a human being before he uh, sort of gets into bed with them, for want of a better word? Um, Yeah. Then, after being shoved out the window, he goes dumpster truck driving. Yeah, putting them in a bin. What did he think was going to happen? What are the odds? He did it on bin day, the poor bastard. Well, yeah, but they didn't have um, they didn't have like calendars like we get though. Mate. Yeah. To be fair, he doesn't know. He's not been there that long, has he? <laughs> He's not been there a week. How's he going to know? When it, he doesn't know Friday's bin day. Fucking hell! You, but... You're just being too critical here, mate. You know what I mean? I thought... <laughs> I'd like to see you stash your alien spying glasses. Oh, I do. You know, uh, to be fair, they're all over the place. But um. um... And yeah, then... so it, I, I do. I mean, and again, this is one of those bits where you know people might think he's a bit silly. It's like, well, why is he? Why do you have to have the bin scene where the, the, the truck dumps all the shit out and he's in the back of the truck? It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Do you know there, I mean? is, there is stuff in this film that does feel like it is just padding it out to a feature length yeah. runtime. It's a bit like I the think... problem of the fog has. Is that there's stuff in that that makes no fucking sense, but they just have to yeah. pad it out because it was about 60 minutes otherwise. Yeah. But I think the bin, the, the thing like the bin. Where he gets dumped out the back of the bin truck, it's it's just it's almost like just to take him down a little peg because he's you know he's he's going full bloody macho here, isn't he? You know, and he's kidnapping people, he's just shot people to shit in the bank, and he's he's this and he's that and he's that, and then before you know it, he's getting dumped on his ass and a load of shit out of the bin. And I think it's just that that kind of you know sometimes when no matter no matter how hard you try, you still end up like in a load of shit. Quite literally, and you're going fucking out, you know. And I think it's that little bit where um, it's just to just to bring him down a little bit. I think, yeah, because it gets him at that lowest point, and then obviously Frank comes down the alley, gives him his pay, tells him he doesn't ever want to see him yeah. again because he's a fucking nut job. And then he's trying to convince him to put the sunglasses, and I was like, motherfucker, you just fell out of the back of a rubbish truck. You stink of rubbish. I, I will say, as fun as that fight is at times, it does go on a little bit too long. But I guess they were Six like minutes. We we got Rowdy Roddy Piper. Let's appease the wrestling fans and have a good long fight. It's a brutal fight though. But the that, repeated kneeing right. him in the nuts and so people. I mean, I know people. Ooh, it goes on too long and stuff. And yeah, it does go on. Probably cinematically, it does go on quite long. Yeah, it's fine. It's fun. There's nice little but breaks in it where they. It's like, you know... done in a way that you genuinely do believe this is like two two well built guys slugging each other out. Oh, it feels like a street fight. Yeah. And the thing that, you know, what you generally see in a fight is it's like boom, boom, all over. Now, if you've ever been in a fight, right, it ain't never boom, boom, all over because neither neither people generally know how to fight. You know, I know these, these do, but, you know, and, and 
it's it's very unlikely that it's going to be like boom boom and then we have a winner. It goes on and on and usually it's like it's just who's going to fucking give up first. That's the point yeah. of the fight usually, isn't it? You never knock anyway. You just sort of sit there and go like fucking hell, I've had enough. But and this is what this does, and I like the fact that you know they do like you know go rough on each other, and it they get to the point where they're both just fucked and they have to have a minute, you know. And then they start again, and then it's 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 quite. I don't know. There's something quite charming about it, really. <laughs> yeah, I like when like... Roddy Piper laughs, and he thinks yeah. it's going to be a. Oh, we're just going to start laughing about this now, and then Keith David starts knocking the shit. I like when he swings the bit of wood at him, smashes the rear the back window of the car, and then he's yeah. like, "Fuck, I am so sorry," kind of thing. Yeah. And that there are as well. I think there's only a couple of wrestlingy type moves in there. The yeah. rest of it just like two big guys clubbing each other with various things. Oh yeah, if you did some of that stuff in a wrestling ring, like I say, him repeatedly kneeing him in the balls. Yeah. That's painful to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it leads beautifully. And it's Frank next... doing it to Roger Roddy Piper as well. So it's yeah, not a one-sided fight. He's, he's pissed off, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he's like this guy, he's this lunatic who's just shot a bank up. He's trying to put these like stinky ass glasses on him and he won't take no for an answer. I mean, so, you know, we've all wanted to smack someone who won't take no for an answer, aren't we? Let's be fair. Um, but it, it is it is good, and then eventually, obviously, he puts the glasses on and and it's like, fucking hell, you know, what's going on? That's it, and then you get that wonderful post fight walk where they're just both battered to fuck walking down yeah. the street and he's taking it all in and looking at stuff. And they both go to, and that's where they go to the hotel. That's it. Hey, they go to the hotel together, and they both walk in, like beaten to fuck. <laughs> and they, they, I, I love that the guy in the hotel himself, doesn't even care. Does he? He's like, yeah, he looks like he wants to say something, but he's just like, "No, nah, I'm leaving it." Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, yeah, fine. And I then, like the idea that the glasses give you a headache if you wear them too long. That's clever, isn't it? You see, that is clever, and and it's it's. It's again this thing about um oh, I guess it's because I guess there is a, a kind of analogy to real life and social media and things like that that you know people people suffer from like withdrawal, don't they, of yeah. like you know going off social media and shit. And you know, I can imagine for some people it's it's almost like being addicted and, and withdrawing from a, a drug of some sort. Um but yeah, the the idea that you know if you if you wear the glasses too long, you get a headache, which they do cleverly remedy as well, as we will find out a bit later on. Because you get it when the TV stations hijacked as well, don't you? Yeah. That when the signal's broken, they're getting headaches while they're watching. That's yeah. one of the things that pisses them off about the message coming through, not just that it's breaking up their program. Yeah, and and if if you're anything like me, if I oversleep, like if I have too much sleep, I wake up with a rotten headache. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the theory, isn't it? If we're all asleep and then we start to wake up, you're going to get a headache. Boom. I, I do like that they're walking around in the dark with the glasses on as well, though. Like they're fucking Bono. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously they go to the church meeting. And I love the line where he says, Earth is their third world. Yeah. And again, uh, the, playing back to the, the great grand scream of, you know, the people above are just sucking everything out um, and leaving it barren. You know, there'll be nothing left. There'll be no, there'll be no power, no water. There'll be nothing. You know, there'll be nothing for anyone. No food. 
and and it's it's a quite a strong kind of through line for the home film, isn't it? That you know we are in respect, and and I would I'd probably say it's true if you listen to to what's said by certain people in certain circles. Certain sectors of society are viewed as a third world yeah. within our own country, and strangely enough, you know when you've got kind of like you know humanitarian sort of reports basically saying that, you know, parts of the UK are akin to a third world kind of economic situation and stuff, the way people are living, the way people are struggling. Ain't a million miles off, is it? You know, it's a good analogy to draw that, you know. Um, Again, this is one of those films that you can't really talk about it without really, like I say, it's not just taking a swipe at politics, it's consumerism, it's liberalism it takes a swipe at. Yeah, yeah, unionisation. Unionisation. You know, not used for the right purpose, which you know I've seen, um, and I'm a big union lover. You know, I'm I'm big on unions, um, but I've also seen how sometimes people within those unions can use them for the wrong. I was going to say fight the wrong, the wrong battles. Even even in unions, you've got the haves and the have-nots, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. And you know, so he's not—he's not afraid to front up to anyone in this film, and, and good on him for that. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, because like he's just saying all rich people are bastards because they're not. You know, there's some very good people who've who quite rightly have earned the wealth they've got, or you know, deserve it, and all the rest of it, and they do good things with it. You know, yeah. and, and it's it's whether you earn your wealth off of the misfortune of others, or whether you genuinely, yep. Earned it yourself, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you've got, you know, if you've got the opportunity, you should try and do good with it. Yeah. That's, that's well, yeah, that's where the issues lie. If you're like, you know. But then again, I am quote a bleeding heart lefty. So. Well, God, well, I mean, that aren't you twat. fucking monster wanting yeah. to get paid fair one rather than the uh, wanting, people above wanting you? People to, fancy wanting people to be able to feed the kids and put the heating on. I'm, a, I'm an absolute. Disgrace, aren't they? Do you know? Fancy I mean? wanting people to be able to afford to live somewhere. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, fancy... I mean, you just you're too bleeding hard. I know. You're too left. That's your problem. I know. I'm. I'm but look, look, I'm. I'm sat here and I'm on a podcast, so I can afford. I can afford my internet and stuff. So there. Yeah. That's told me. What's it? With? <laughs> well, told me what I've got the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're not. You're just stealing your neighbours. I know. <laughs> I am actually on my own private yacht as we record it. This listeners, just to be clear. Well, that's it because you're you're currently heading to my private island. So <laughs> yeah. I live yeah. the life of Riley. Unfortunately <laughs> for all the listeners, it's the life of Mavis Riley, and it's shit. <laughs> so um, <laughs> if you if you're too young for that, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know yes. I'm a shit life. I'm, I'm very happy to life at home. I'm very happy. Only joking. Comedy effect. That's it, exactly. Yeah, so obviously you get the meeting. This is where we start racing towards the end now, isn't it? So you've got the meeting, and then the police raid the meeting, but not before Megan, uh, Meg Foster suddenly turns up. And, yeah. And then they realise they can use the watch to teleport themselves yeah, into the place they Head need to be. Head of its time. Yeah. Talking into your watch. Got one here. Well, that's hey. the old Dick Tracy got thing, one. isn't it? Got one that can see. And all that, another great line. See, they've got um, the watch things until they get in there, and the security guys are giving PKE meters. 
I guess so they yeah, can they, talk. They probably and don't deserve ghosts. watches though, don't they? Because they probably not. You can't walk around with those fucking things on the street, can you? You got it right. Go, there's there's an alien or a ghostbuster, one or the other. That's yeah. it. And then again, at the meeting, you get excessive police force. Yes. Um, again, quite quite uh, for its time, something we in the north particularly could recognise. I would say. <laughs> the and again, though, I like that he makes a point that not all of them are aliens. Some of us don't know. No, they're, they're not. The humans no, are just we, doing it because. Yeah, and, and, you know, that, and again, that that leans into the other golden rule that some people are just assholes. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether they're aliens or not, you know, some people are just. And I, some people you know, have just been fed the pack of bullshit. Yeah. And some people will just abuse what little bit of power they might have. Um, but yeah, you know, and again, I'm not having to go all police. So if you're a police person listening out there, please don't arrest you but uh, we're only joking you're not uh, half of you aren't assholes there you go it's, it's up to you which half you want to be in that's it <laughs> can't be fair in that kind of stupid that's it and then obviously they wander into the meeting of assholes who sold out their species but you know the bit I love about this though they're all suited and booted isn't it it's a proper yeah like, that's it and they just know, walk in, in their dirty clothes they're, they're, they're in these like dirty like you know fucking They've been fighting for half an hour and they've been rolling around in all the shit and he's just and nobody even bothers to nobody even looks at them, do they? Not even go like, oh look at these. No, things. until you know the mean? guy from the camp comes up. And I took me like three or four viewings before yeah. I realized that he was that guy. Thus proving the power of corruption. Because do we and reckon he was at the camp on their behalf all along? No. No. Or do you I reckon they him. caught him at the camp? Because he was always He's the one who said, yeah. you know, just a guy licking his nuts again and was very anti the interruptions to the TV stuff. Yeah, yeah. I reckon he was just on there. He may have been a plant in there, but the guy was, a, he was, you know, he was corrupted into, um, look, we'll give you all this nice shit over here. Just, you know, don't rock the boat kind of thing. That's it. And, and again, golden rule, isn't it? You know, this is why rich people often have different laws applied to them so you know there if if i don't pay my taxes i would go to jail if i am a member of the government and i don't pay my taxes it's an unfortunate oversight <laughs> so let's not say any more about it and these are the kinds of things that you know when you get to like our our actually we all asleep at the moment you know you start to you read yeah. these things and you see these things you see people admitting to these things and nothing happens and you kind of think maybe we are asleep but yes it, it is a very good example of um how there are different laws applied at different levels of society so if you're a homeless person you're lucky if you don't get beaten to death for yeah. committing a minor crime and if you're at the top of the chain you're lucky if you're a homeless person, you don't get beaten to death for the crime that they committed at the top of the chain because they need somebody to blame. So, you know, I think it's um, it's a good example of the power of money and corruption. Again, Because I was never sure with him because he has that line of, you know, we all sell out every day. It's like, so did he sell out the camp and that's what got him in with those? Because I think so. Why did the police raid that camp it, but, as well? But, you know, I thought you boys understood. It's business. That, that's all it is. You still don't get it, do you, boys? There ain't no countries anymore. No more good guys. They're running the whole show. They own everything, the whole goddamn planet. They can do whatever they want. What's wrong with having it good for a change? 
Now, they're going to let us have a good if we just help them. They're going to leave us alone, let us make some money. You can have a little taste of that good life, too. Now, I know you want it. Hell, everybody does. You do it to your own kind. What's the threat? We all sell out every day. Might as well be on the winning team. See you, boys. For ages, I never clocked who he was. Mm. So when he's on, I'm like, you know, oh, I didn't expect to see you boys here. I was like, when the fuck did they meet this guy? Yeah. <laughs> like I say, it was I, on my, my third funny, I, did, I did swing him the first time I saw it. I, I realised it was him. See, so. I, I didn't. Which, like I say, is quite possibly my own fucking stupidity. The only, but... the only reason why, because I was following the golden rule of actually, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep giving somebody a bit of bit of screen time, there's a reason. You know, it's like that golden rule. If you're gonna show a shotgun in a in a film, you know, hung up on a wall, somebody better use it. Otherwise, yeah. what's the fucking point of having it there and drawing your attention to it? So, because he kept drawing your attention to this guy, I thought, yeah. When it came round, I just assumed it was him, and I could have been wrong. But, yeah, um, yeah. I just, I, I was just following. It. I'm a very simple creature, as <laughs> you know, so I just follow the rules. I'm know, clearly a dense fucking idiot. Laid out to me, um, but I, but yeah, I do love. I will in years to just show him around the place. Oh, he's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, the fact that they look like they've just fucking bust their way in, and and he's like, oh yeah, come here, I'll show you. I'll give you the tour, the grand tour, and you're like, okay. You know, even wants um, to take him into the restricted area. Yeah, even though he's told not to, the aliens don't want him there. No, but, um, he, and, they do get the full tour. That's it, and that's when the shotguns come out again. Yeah, so there's a, there's another bit of uh, gunnering going on, and um, obviously they find Meg as well. You know, because to be fair to Roddy, he realizes she might be there. And if she is there, he wants to find her. I love that he's going around asking people who she is. And I love when he thanks the woman <laughs> who um tells who tells the woman who tells him how to get to the roof. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, he was a polite guy. He was a polite guy, wasn't he? We've already established he was a decent fella. And you know, manners count, Stuart. Something that we could all learn from. Manners count. So um and obviously he... they, go, they go into the news broadcast and just start fucking shooting the presenters. Yeah, but I think it's that thing again about just reinforcing that he's actually quite a decent fella. You know, he's just trying to do the right thing, and he's and even though the world's gone to shit, he's still even though he's shooting people left, right, fucking centre. And I'm sure he not all of them are aliens. Do you know what I mean? I, I do yeah. get the sense he's at this point he's just fucking he's just pumping lead everywhere, isn't he? Well, see, um, some but, of them are just going to be people who got a fucking job. But you know what? Sometimes you make your choices. Well, that's very true. <laughs> Do you know? But... If that means Roddy Piper's going to put a cap in your ass, then that's the choice you made, young man. Or oh, young lady. It, it does lead to one bit of the film that I really don't like, and that's that Frank goes out like a punk. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I get that they were going for that shock twist, you know, she's a she's a baddie kind of thing, but it just feels like Frank gets enough of death. Better, didn't he? he deserved better. But again... <sighs> I don't know. Is it is it a bad ending or is it? I, I get what is it's it like again say. a shock thing? You know, like you say, where. I, you but know, I don't like, think it plays up as enough of a shock either. Oh no, because you could tell she was dodgy from the start. You could tell she was dodgy. It's kind of like I don't know. Like I said, I get what he was going for. I just don't think it worked. 
Yeah. And it feels like Keith David was kind of underserved. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. It's a fair point. And um, yeah, um, no, in hindsight, I do think it was a bit unfair, actually. Um, he deserved better. But, you know, it, it, what else were they going to do? Because they had to end up with the point where Piper's on his own on the yeah. on the helipad, aren't they? You know, and he's got to exact revenge somehow. Um, but yeah, it is a he, bit. He unfair. blows her the fuck away. Doesn't even hesitate. Well, no, no. To be Takes fair. his time shooting that fucking satellite. <laughs> like yeah, he does. Shot up. Yeah, and the thing with the satellite as well is, it's like he's got that little teeny tiny fucking gun. <laughs> 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 he's been fucking wheeling shotgun in people and machine gun in people. And he's got a teeny tiny little like like you know it's almost like a. a, a the old fashioned again, no offense to me, but the old fashioned when you watch really old films and they'd have like a lady's gun. You know, I was gonna like say a little purse gun. It's like a lady's handbag gun, isn't it? It's like that, and it? it's like, ooh, get my little purse gun out and you know, and then I'll destroy because that was that was the one plot um thing that I, I found quite interesting was that they kept saying, Oh, we we believe they broadcast this signal from one only one place. So it's like, is that one place on Earth? Is that just the only place? Is, or is that, you know, just in LA or what? And again, it's never actually, um, it's never actually sort of addressed, is it? No. The one place is the one place across the world, or is it the one place just in LA or America or you know? So by shooting that. Has he only woken up the local populace or has he woken up the world? This is the thing. Um, and that that's interesting. And it's the same in the 8am story, actually, where the guy just, he manages to take over a TV station and do this voice that says, wake up, wake up, and everyone wakes up. But again, you would sort of think, well, in 1963, TV station would be quite local. So yeah. what happens to the rest of the world? Do you know what I mean? But um, anyway, so yeah. There is that bit, but the thing the bit that we have skipped over a little bit before we get there is the fantastic teleporting scene. Yeah, the it? interplanetary thing. Fucking <laughs> hell. I'll be having yeah, that. You got people with luggage and I like oh, that they, you get two of them, one flies off one way, the goes the other way. Yeah, little roller bag, they stand there at the end of this platform, and then you go bloop and off they go. That's the way you want to travel, isn't it? Again, on the one hand it feels kind of superfluous and unnecessary, but on the other hand, it just adds a little bit extra layer to the aliens. Yeah, that they just basically teleport to whatever planet they want to go to. It's it's like brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. What a great idea. Great concept. Looks cheesy as fuck, mind, now. But still within keeping the film, though, and still enjoyable. Very B-movie. Yeah, which I think this film knows what it is. is, Because, you know, it's, it's also tapping into that body snatchers kind of but obviously they're not body snatching they're just disguising themselves as humans kind of thing Um, obviously Nada gets shot I love the way he pulls back (laughs) just a real like block of wood kind of (laughs) yeah he does does his best uh, kind of stiff drop from his wrestling days he he uh, then gives them the finger and gives them the the great gives them the finger yeah um because again, you know, as a as a personality within wrestling, that was his thing. He was very I mean, before he had like Stone Cold and all that sort of stuff, he was doing it more gratuitously. He was he was metaphorically always sticking the finger up yeah. to people. And um 
you know, that's why so many people hated him. I mean, he used to, just just cut it back a little bit. He used to, he started wearing a leather jacket um, to the ring, and it's like you know, she'd be in like Florida and 100 degrees, and he'd go to the ring in a leather jacket. And the reason he started wearing a leather jacket is because he had to be lined with Kevlar because he was sick of being stabbed on the way to the ring. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, honestly, if anybody's ever read uh, Ronnie Piper's book Rowdy, honestly, it's a brilliant book. It's so funny and it's such an eye opener of like stories of like what goes on and some of it like is a little bit of romancing and stuff but some of it as well people corroborate and go no it, it genuinely did but yeah he, he just got tired of being stabbed and like to and from and and he just so he, he would always wear this jacket in his later career because he got to the point where people just hated him um, when he was a heel they really hated him i mean he was like he was absolutely despised you know he went down to mexico once um, I know we've gone off track, but this just gives you sense of the guy who went out to Mexico. And Mexican wrestling is unlike yeah. anything else. I mean, it is quite brutal, and you know, and the crowds are absolutely like fanatical. And um, he, he goes to the ring with his bagpipes. He says, "Right, you know, as, as respect for the Mexicans, I'm going to play the national anthem." And um, and then he starts playing La Cucaracha on the bagpipes. And basically, he didn't even get to wrestle because they had to they, they, they had to fucking like get him out the auditorium, and there was a riot. Yeah. <laughs> but but that was his that was his thing. Nothing was off off limits to him. So the finger at the end, if you were a wrestling fan and you was always very you just going, yeah, that that you know that's true. And I think to be fair as well, that was Carpenter's finger at the end as well yeah. to the elite and to you know possibly. The people misusing um, the liberal um, stuff to their own gain and things like that. So yeah, it's a, it was a fitting, almost ending to the yeah, movie. yeah. Because almost ending, you, you then get the reveal of the people on the TV, people waking up. I, I love the guy at the bar. Yeah, where he's just watching the TV. Everybody's just staring at him, and he's just kind of what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we because again, he's the, uh, he's the only alien in that scene as well. He is a he bar is. full of drunk people staring at him. Yeah, he's going to get and mutilated. With the eight AM story, um, interestingly enough, when they all wake up, that it finishes with um, people wake up, and that's when the war begins. So it just leaves it open ended that, that you know, basically, once people are wake up to what's going on. A war ensues, obviously, yeah. it's a, you know, for a class war. Um, but yeah, that that's it. Um, and then and then we get, of course, the the only ending you could have to an eighties kind of action film, really. The, the gratuitous boob shot, the uh, the jiggly booby shot, which you know, hey, what which is literally film? the the finest shot. I love that she's credited as naked lady. <laughs> Um, again, it's such a. I know it's you know, it's not of this way, time, but but it is of that time. Isn't but it? it's again, it fits in perfectly with what Carpenter's saying because, like I say, it comes after the Siskel and Ebert riff of you know, I've had it with all this gratuitous sex and violence kind of thing, and you've had the violence, so here's the sex. Yeah. But again, though, you know, for, it's uh, almost for Carpenter everyone... putting his finger up. <laughs> yeah, and for everyone that will go. 
oh, there's no need for that. Oh, there's no need for that. It's like, well, I'm not being funny, right? But how many people are famous now for basically being less dressed than they probably should be? Yeah. And that's what they do. So it's just, it's the way that some people kind of, um, it's the way some people just assert themselves and become who they are and become famous for what they are, wherever. You know, that whole glamour thing is something that's always been through society. And just to go like, oh, that's gratuitous. It's like, well, you know, it goes on now. It's always gone on. And there's always people that are willing to do it. There's always people that are willing, men and women that are willing to. Yeah, I think the issue is when people are forced into it. I know there's been a couple of people who have said that they felt they were pressurised into doing those scenes. Mm. And 100% that should never be the case. If they're happy to do it, and, you know, I don't. You can make the argument that there's probably not ever any reason to have nudity in a film from the majority of the things. But if they're the happy to do it, yeah, then fair enough. Who are we to say? And you know, if the director genuinely believes that it's essential for the thing, no. Or you know, if you're going to have a naked woman, let's balance things out and let's get some knobs floating on the screen as well, just to yeah. No, and and you know what, you know, you're you're absolutely right. And the question of when people are forced to, I mean, I, I can't remember who the actress was. It was somebody age was telling she'd read an article with an actress who'd said that, you know. They they'd been for a part, got the part, and then when they started like filming, oh, it was Samantha Morton, and they talk about when she's hang on, there's no there's no nudity in the in the script and things like that, and um, quite right for her, you know, she said no, and good on her, yeah, you know, and and I agree, you know, that forced thing is completely unacceptable in any any what whether you're making a film or not, you know, it's unacceptable, but. It's got to the point now where I think people are even afraid to to probably even like write it in, even if it is part of the the plot. You know, if if it could be part of the plot, I don't know. But you know, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting point. But again, I would like to think that nobody was forced to do anything that they didn't want to do. Yeah, you know, because. Um, I've never heard things, and again, I could be wrong, but I've never heard or read anything about Carpenter that would lead me to think that he he was, you know... Well, no, because to be fair, again, nudity in a Carpenter film is rare. I think this is the only one I can really think of mm. that does have that, and I genuinely think it was for the point of following... It was a... Yeah, he to make was annoyed point. with yeah. Siskel and Ebert talking about the gratuitous violence in his films, and I yeah. think he did that as a... Another finger up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've had a go at me about gratuitous violence. There's a little bit of gratuitous nudity to leave the film on as well. Yeah. No, I think you're I think you're right there, actually. And I think what that's what that was for. And I don't know much about the actress. She possibly came from adult films anyway. That's usually how they get people for those sort of parts. They just get an adult film actress in to Yeah. Well they're they're not usually reading simulate um... sex and show their boobs. They're not exactly reading loads of lines, are they? Um, but you know, it it was a. a I'm also aware that we're two, we're two white men film. talking about nudity of females in films, and like I say, I'm all for male nudity in films as well. If you're going to do it, let's even it out. Yeah, absolutely. Don't bother me. If anything, I'm, I might get enough a knobs in my time. That's another one. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're everywhere else. Um, <laughs> 
Well, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, and you know, again, it's just one of those things that you don't really think about um, too much because I, I tend to watch things in the time they were made yeah. and not try and impose too many things onto it from today. Because you, you, if you go down that route, you wouldn't fucking watch anything. Well, no, and let's face it, the films that we're holding up as temp poles of that today in 10, 15, 20 years' time, they're going to be problematic for something that wasn't problematic now. Yeah, that's just the way the world is. And that's not saying yeah. that it's ever right, but it's just the way the world changes, the way people get more tolerant to things. And I think a lot of the time, the people who do kick up a fuss about, oh, it's actually pretty homophobic when you look at it, it's a minority voice, but using mm. a loudspeaker to get it out. Yeah. So it sounds like more people. And again, I'm not defending any of that, but it exists in films, and I'm afraid you just have to live with it. You have to accept the fact if you're going to watch an 80s movie, there is probably going to be some kind of slur that you're not going to like. Or avoid them. Yeah. Or just know that you're watching an 80s movie, so just be like, it's not yeah. for me. So between 1955 and probably 2010, don't watch any films with my advice. I'd just possibly go something. 2020 just for safety. Probably a lot yeah. happened since 2010. There'll be something in there that will, if you want to be offended. If you're looking for it, you could be offended yeah. by anything. I agree. I agree. But we're not we're not condoning. If anybody gets offended by something, then that's, that's you know, we're not saying... Well, no, if, if you're offended be. by it and you have a valid you're reason offended. to be offended by it, yeah. then fair enough. But don't seek it out, is my thing. <laughs> But, you know, and don't grasp at straws, those offensive straws. Don't try and whip up a posse, because you know better than the villagers going after Frankenstein's monster, otherwise. You're just the you're modern full, equivalent of it. so full of wisdom. Thank you. For, uh, for a man of such youth, you're years beyond in wisdom. It's quite frightening. I just talk enough bullshit that occasionally something <laughs> comes out right. <laughs> we always end up on this theme, don't we, though, about context of films. Maybe it's the films we pick, it's the we films always you pick. end up but we always end up talking about the fact that listen if you if you're faint of heart with today's moral standards maybe give this a swerve and and then again i'd caveat this film with that and say like you know i'm not being funny but if you don't like kind of like people with guns and you don't like you know the idea that capitalism isn't great for everybody um then you might want to give it a swerve and if you don't like boobies jumping up and down then definitely give it a swerve. Yeah. Um, or at least turn it off when Roddy Piper gives the finger. Or well, they might like the finger. <laughs> well, that's very um, true as well. You know. I'd say turn it off before that, but he's waving a gun around then, so you can't win. <laughs> no. right, then, so sort of coming on to the end, I usually I like to ask about sequels. Would you have liked to have seen a sequel of this film? Where do you think it would have no. been? I mean, you kind of talked about it a little bit with the story ending with a war starting, which I kind of think is where it would go. And mm. you kind of got the idea of, was it better to live in ignorant bliss and not be aware or find out and just the aliens go aggressive and yeah, just start Independence Day in us? Yeah, and I don't... I mean, that's the great thing with the story, where it ends, that's where the war began. Well, it doesn't end there, but I didn't want to ruin the very ending bit. Um, but... That that's like the, the penultimate line. That's where the war began. And I think in this, when people start waking up, you know, it's it's epitomized by the guy in the bar where everybody's like, 
hang on, the fuck is happening here? Um, so people do wake up from this sleep that they're in, this induced sleep. Um, and I don't think really you could have done anything with it because what were you going to do? Because again, there were too many unanswered questions. So as we said before, is it just the people locally waking up? Because they don't show people around the world, if I remember rightly, waking up. No, you know, it's just... Close. It's not like the end of Star Wars, you know... Um, where we see all the planets yeah. celebrating. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like that, where the, the re-edited kind of Return of the Jedi, I think, you know. Um, so is it just a little group? In which case, it'd be a very short wall, wouldn't it, really? Because, you know, these fuckers can teleport and disappear yeah. by, you know, using the watches and stuff. So I don't think really... There's going to be much opportunity to to fight back, um, and if it is a big wall, then you know, yeah, it could be interesting. But it does again doesn't need to be a doesn't didn't never needed a, a sequel at all. No. And I think all it would have done was do the thing that this film is really good at, which is not over explaining shit. You know, it tells you what's happening, it gives you an idea what's happening, and then you fill the gaps in. Yeah. So if you're not very good at filling gaps in, maybe skip it. I'd well, skip all cinema, books, music, just. Stare at a blank yeah. sheet of paper. Watch yeah. Terry. Just, 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 yeah. Just get a job as an MP or something. You'll be fine. Right. You just make but, it yeah. go along. All right then. I suppose an obvious question to ask: Would you rather know the radians living amongst you, or would you rather live in that ignorant bliss? I'd like to know because I, I like to know things. So I like stuff in my back pocket. I always do. I've always said to people, you know, you might not think you need to tell me this, but you do. You need to tell me stuff because I'm not. My, even if I don't need to do anything with it, I like to have stuff in my holster just in case. I may need to blackmail so, you in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I do. I do like information and data and things like that. So I would want to know. Plus, it would probably just confirm a few suspicions I've got. Yeah. That actually, I am in a fucking. I must be in a fucking walking nightmare at the moment. <laughs> what's going on? So at least I would know I'm not mad. You know, that'd be quite nice. Um, but no, I, I would like to know. What I'd do about it, I'm not sure. That's the interesting bit, is the moral question of what would you do if you found out? If you were nada and you found out, what would you do? Because I can't see myself going and shooting people in a bank and stuff like that. But who knows what you would do in those circumstances? You know, who you know, like, I'm not shooting people, aliens, but well, no, but do you draw attention you... to yourself and put yourself and yeah. your loved ones in it? It's a bit like finding out your neighbor's a Russian spy or something. It's like, mm. well, shit, do you do something about that, or do you just live in the you have the knowledge, but that sort of yeah. I like I'm to using think that as I'd... an example, it doesn't have to be a Russian spy, but I like to think I'd do something, I like to think I'd do something because I, I don't like. My big thing is fairness. I've got this big thing about fairness. Um, I like people to be treated fairly. I like yeah. people to have equal opportunities and things like that. And I get very annoyed when I see things that are blatantly unfair. Yeah. And I see a lot of it. So I do think I would probably do something, but I don't know what that would be, obviously. Because no. it's not a film, so you can't just suddenly... Well, no, that's it. <laughs> you know. I'm not going to become fucking Rambo overnight or something, am I? What's I'll it? always say I'm not Rambo now. Exactly. My steward can see me. I've got my top off. Exactly. And, and you've got that yeah, headband on. And you are stitching your own arm up. I am, as we speak, with a shoelace. 
<laughs> that is one of those it, it kind of from this film you have to ask that question all right and again there was a spate of we had three john carpenter remakes in the end or the thing became a prequel rather than a remake yeah the assault on precinct 13 remake which is actually pretty solid in its own right it's a decent film and the fog remake which i haven't seen but i've heard is dreadful but they wanted to remake Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China. This was probably on a list at some point. It was. It was apparently in 2010. They, like I say, they just seem to... Obviously, Halloween got remade as well, sorry, with the Rob Zombie one, which was dreadful. Again, I can't imagine you'd want to see a remake, but if they did a remake, do you think a remake would work now? Well, right, this is the irony, right? Which we so sort of touched on as well, but... Yeah, so in 2010... They wanted to. They were going to remake. Uh, talking of remaking it, and but they came out. I can't remember it was who was attached to it. Basically saying, but they didn't want it to be political, and they didn't want the humor in it. And I'm like, well, if you take the politics and the humor out of it, what the fuck have you? Got? Fucking point of the film. Do you know what I mean? It's just Roddy like, Piper with a Nada walking around with a shotgun, yeah. blowing people away. And again, it's like, what the? F- and this is the problem with remakes, isn't it? That people actually misunderstand the purpose of the original and why the original is is often done the way it is. Yeah. So they completely take out the stuff that they don't want to offend people with. And you end up with like just shit. That, yeah. that you're going, what the fuck was that supposed to be? You know? Um well, that's it. Some remakes work. So um I think but I, obviously but the I thing think, itself is a remake, but it's yeah. I think of it more as a readaptation of the who goes there story rather than Yeah. Because again and you had the great 70s Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was a remake of the 50s one, which was very much yeah. a McCarthy-era yeah. movie. And the 70s was about something different. The 70s one was in that height of 70s paranoia yeah. thrillers, so it played in with that. And then you had the 90s one, the Abel Ferreira one, which it's fine. Mm. Yeah. But some remakes work, some readaptations work, some don't don't need to be remade. I think... Like I say, this film is oddly precedent as much now, if not more so, than it was in the 80s. And that's why I would say, in the right hands, a remake today of They Live would be probably much needed. I think, you know, with the right person, with the right values, not being, like, overly preachy, but actually being clever in the way that they approach a lot of the modern world and you know you could bring in all the social media stuff and all yeah. of that. You know, there's so much more they could do with now. It's you know that it's like it was pretty much limited to TV and print in in the original. Um and obviously it's a different world now. Yeah. You know exactly. so there's so much more and you could fill some of those gaps because you can reach around the world now. So somebody could be, I mean, as we've seen with a lot of these like weird right-wing cults in America and stuff, um, you know, they, they start and live on social media. You know, that's yeah. the breeding ground and that's how they grab people in and then, of course, the algorithms reinforce that. So that's all people then see. And and I just think that in the right hands, a remake of this, although it wouldn't would never be as charming because you haven't got a piper in it, you know, there are lots of actors that could probably play another character yeah. really well. Um, and I think it could work. And I, I very rarely say that because I'm usually one that you, you'll know. I always go, don't remake it. Don't need to be redone. But I actually think you could do a lot today. Um, but I have zero trust that there's anybody out there who could make it and not 
like make it so that even I would get bored of it's like, oh Jesus, you know. Yeah, this is the no thing. Box. It'd either be too left wing or too right wing, whereas yeah. this takes equal swipes at everybody. And I think you yeah. need that sort of centrist hand in the guiding it. And I don't think there's anyone other than probably Carpenter that would. Could do I don't that think you now. do. I think even if you had that, your Fox News types would take offense at the swipes at the right. Yeah. Left-leaning people would take what he usually with the stuff at the thing, and it'd just get fucking lost in all that noise. Yeah, but the good thing is, though, if somebody did do it and do it well and do it properly, and again, this is going to be real, and this isn't me being any kind of conspiracy nut or anything. Because I fucking I'd, the other week I stopped, I, I just cut a conversation short because somebody said, "Oh well, I don't believe we we landed on the moon." I was like, "Right, okay, I've got to go now." Um, <laughs> I ain't fucking going to start with that shit. Um, but I think that the advantage of somebody doing it and doing it right is that you would get a lot of people that might watch it and go, do you know what? <laughs> Actually, we are controlled by the media and by what we consume, you know, quite literally. Um, so maybe there's something in this. Maybe I, I think, should. I think, think the problem with that is it will be the wrong people that take that away from it. I think yeah. the right people are probably like, oh, that was a nice little fantasy, wasn't it? But it's ridiculous. Now let's see what... Let me have a dream, Stewie, that not everyone's just a hopeless case. Oh, no, you'd have some people. But I think this is the trouble with conspiracy theory movies and conspiracy theory people is that they're the ones who latch onto it. Like I say, I think you're right. I think you could remake it. You could remake it well. I just don't think we're in a position where you would see it done. Like you say, no, I don't. They'd want I, it I not to be too political, and they'd want to lose the humor. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think that um, it could be done, and I don't think anyone would finance it. No, because the shitstorm you get just wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. No. Plus, like I say, know. I think the only people that would make it would be a really right wing leading thing because they get the Christian money and they wouldn't give a fuck. Yeah, and to be honest, we're living it, aren't we? So we yeah. don't really need to remake no, it. No, that's it. But, just watch this exactly and think about it just read read the story watch this think about it or read the comic even if you're that's that way inclined if that's your choose chosen media of choice but um yeah just just watch it and and just think about how that is equated to today yeah and i think you'd be quite surprised quite yeah surprised. that's it yeah. i mean that's the beauty of this film as it is, isn't it? That you can yeah. transpose it to your time and read into it what you want. And that probably wasn't the intention at the time, or it was the intention at the yeah. time, and it's scary how much it fits. Well, the um, other sad thing uh, th that I always get with it is that I just think, what a shame we lost Roddy Piper at 61. Yeah. You know I mean? Not a young guy. But, you know, I can highly recommend reading his book, Rowdy. Yes. Very, will, very good fun. I will There's see if I can find about... it and put a link to it in the show notes as well. But... Great story about where they made him wrestle a bear. Like most things, read it with a pinch of salt, but um, it's good fun. Yeah. And this is a great film as well. So I love this film. And and even though, you know, some people like it and hate it, and some people moan that some of the acting is a bit wooden, and, and it is, to be fair, you know, you want to knock it. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a good ride. It's a fun ride. It's a fun film. You'll either get the not so hidden subtext <laughs> or you won't if you don't want to you can just watch it as an alien invasion film if you wanted to you could watch it as a critique of 
of consumerism and capitalism if you wanted to. You could politicise it if you wanted to. Not that I'd ever dream of doing such a thing. You can <laughs> just look at it as a vehicle for Roddy Piper to shoot people and give some great one-liners. Um, but you will enjoy it if you're yeah. in the right frame of mind. If you go into it with the right frame of mind and probably a couple of beers, you will enjoy it. That's and it. It's, it's, it's a great but flawed movie. Not everything yeah. in it works. There's some ideas that they possibly don't develop as well as they could. There's some other stuff that they do a really, really, really good job on. Yeah, It looks great, like I say, especially the stuff through the glasses. I love what he went for with that. It yeah. works really well. Admittedly, I am a sucker for 50 sci-fi movies as well. I love all that cheesy Americana, McCarthy yeah. era, they're after us kind of thing. Um, and Carpenter does that really well. I've mm-hmm. been on a Carpenter binge off the back of doing these two as well and rewatched them. Oh, right, yeah. But I watched, I think it was Prince of Darkness I'd never seen. I watched it for the first time because it was one of those oh. ones that was just never on my radar as yeah. a kid. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Prince of Darkness, I must admit. Um, I, I don't know, I just find it, I, I maybe I just, when you've seen the thing, you've seen They Live and things like that, you know, you kind of have an expectation of, of Carpenter and it doesn't quite do it for me. It's yeah, not, no, it's I, still I get that. Fun, but it's not quite. It's not the. And I mean, I think you know because I find that with the fog. Yeah, yeah, it does drag a bit, doesn't it? Um, but allegedly, the thing and they live were part of Carpenter's kind His of apocalypse um, trilogy. Apocalyptic trilogy. And yeah, in the mouth he, of madness is the last part. Yeah, um, but the others can be a bit. And then I love, you know, I love kind of. Escape from New York for a different reason, yeah. different film, but it's great fun. And, and H has never seen it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick the Blu-ray in that's, one night. That's next on my rewatch. Is it? Yeah. Um, Big Trouble Little China, which yeah. I love. H doesn't like it at all. Didn't go on with it. She couldn't work that's out what it. it was, which is is quite a common thing with Big Trouble, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. We did an episode on Big Trouble a couple of years ago. Yeah. I, I remember listening on. to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love that film, but again, I, I accept that if you're not willing to give it time because it's confusing as to what is this? Is it a comedy? Is it this? I is think that. And what the trips a lot of... bit is really weird, isn't it, for people? You know, then I get that. I think what trips a lot of people up with that one is that Kurt Russell isn't the hero of the film. No, he's a dickhead. <laughs> he's, he's, an absolute, he's an absolute fucking idiot. Blank. And it kind of plays in this as well, is that Roddy Piper yeah. isn't necessarily the hero of this film. No. Like you say, he fucking snaps at one point. Yeah, he just he just bumbles his way through, doesn't he? Like you I say, know. I find it interesting that they play the police characters that first confront him in the alley as fairly reasonable. Yeah. They don't get aggressive until he gets aggressive. And, you know, yeah. whether they were then going to take him off and kill him is speculation. Well... Yeah, because it's a very good chance because people are disappearing all over the place. Aren't That's they? it. You know, or, you know, are they disappearing they because they're going up? The, or are they getting bought off? Fair like point. the homeless guy was potentially bought off. But yeah, but yeah no, I, I do recommend people watch this film. Yeah, I, I do. really enjoy it. It is a, like I say, go in expecting an 80s B movie with that mentality and just have fun with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, and if you don't like it, don't at us. We really don't care. <laughs> Nobody at us I'm when sure, they like stuff. I'm sure Stuart will care. But I couldn't really care whether you like it or not. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's 
but it's great fun. I really enjoy yeah. it. And I just think it's it's one of those films. It's a, it's a typical eighties action sci fi film, but it's one that's got very very clever, like yeah. you know, line to it. So that's yeah, it. it's a good film to talk about as well. At least I hope it is. got this far and thought that was a good conversation. I probably <laughs> I would imagine talk, a lot but... of them didn't get as far as me having a rant about politics. <laughs> You know that's fair enough. I accept. So if I have if I have offended anyone, then I do apologise. So I've lost my MAGA um, fan base and my Tory fan base now. Remember, or if I have if I have offended you with anything I've said, then I'm I'm probably not really that bothered yeah. because you probably deserve to be offended. So you know, hey, you can contact me at uh, at Stuart Mulray. <laughs> joking, joking, and, no and I will be like, oh no, anyway, us, please, but, uh, but yeah. You know, awesome. all fair in it. All fair. Anyway, for for all the people you haven't pissed off with your uh, yep. lefty views, uh, what what's coming up from Art Nine Two? What have you been working on? Um, been doing a few. Just hot off the press, we just done as we record this. We did Wigan Comic Con yesterday, which is really good fun. Um, really enjoyed it. It was great. I mean, if anybody who is associated with it listens to this, because there are a lot of people who, who obviously listen to the podcast and, and when we're on them and things like that, then um, thank you, because it was a great event, did really well. Everyone, it, it ran really well. Great to catch up with some people, caught up with um, Dave Kennedy, um, you know, awesome. Cherry Sheriff, people like that. Um, had a good laugh with him. And it was just, a, it was a good event. Um, yeah, real family day. Lots of families there. Really nice to see. You know, mixed. It was a mixed event. It wasn't a pure comic con, but it was a mixed event. But it had a good showing of artists. There, there was quite a lot of artists. To be um, honest, I think that's around. the way forward with comic cons now. I don't think pure yeah. comic cons are going to exist anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, but absolutely um, staggered, almost. I suppose to a degree, because you never know with cons like what people are going to want. But big push on. Um, Original art, people really wanted original art, which was nice. Um, you know, so yeah, it was, it was a really good event, really fun day out. So if you do live locally and next year it's all, I would I would recommend that you give it a try because if you've got a family or whatever, you, yeah. you'd love it. Nice, safe awesome. environment, you know, good do. Um, coming up, uh, I haven't got any other cons at the moment this year, I don't think. Um, obviously, there's the big cons, but we don't bother with them because they don't want us and I don't want them so yeah. uh, we, don't, we don't bother anymore um, next year we are doing uh, Liverpool Comic Con which is probably the biggest con in the north probably, yeah. at the moment so quite looking forward to that and then we'll do the usual um, depending what comes up you know we'll do the usual ones um, if, we, if we're we lucky enough to get a table in there so things like you know Nottingham or whatever it might be Um but other than that, yeah, we're just working. So H is doing a lot of pet commissions at the moment. It's coming up to that time of year for Christmas when people want pet commissions, which is good. Um, I've been working on some shorts for different publications. So I'm in um, a horror book called This Comic is Haunted, which is, was a recent Kickstarter cool. under the 77 banner. I've got five, I think it's five pages in that. Um, I've just recently been in Headwreck for Scratch Comics, which is Shane Chebsey's publication. So I've done a piece with, with Lawrence 
Awesome on that. So that was good. Um, yeah, and just I've just been pottering around. Still boiling on GGA3. Still awesome. cracking on with that. Trying to get some ideas. Working on a horror anthology book with um, Dan, Dan Butcher and Kieran. So depending on when this comes out, that Kickstarter might be live. We're trying to get it live ready for Halloween. What the okay. book will Send me the links and all. Yeah. Um, we haven't Love got that. the title for it yet because we, we're still... Still can't come up with that. I hate coming up with titles. Yeah, the worst thing ever. And I'm like, just call it whatever you want. I'm not bothered. So it might be called whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but that's that's going to be like a horror anthology thing as well. So cool. that, that should be out by the time this comes out, or at least starting to wrap from Kickstarter. Um, but yeah, on that, just just working really, just just awesome. you know, just keeping keeping plodding, keeping drawing, yeah. enjoying it, keeping making comics. Well, and and just trying to, you know not shoot any satellites and start a war with alien races that are controlling us. Well, I think that's that's the takeaway. That's what everybody should be aiming for. But yeah. awesome. Well, I will put all the links in the show notes as usual. So not that anybody ever checks show notes, but you know. I do. Every so often one person might. So Yeah, I check but... for punctuation as well. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I over-punctuate, so. Awesome. Well, cheers for doing this, man. I really enjoyed no, it. No, you're do you know what? And and you know, joking aside, I know you know we don't normally get very political, and I realise I've got very political, so I apologise to you, Stuart, for over, overdone it. But um, sometimes you know you just things just speak to you, and, and yeah. you know, you can't ignore the. It'd be a bit ridiculous if we ignored the the parallel. Can't talk today. about this film and not talk about. Um, but you know, I just I really do enjoy the film, and don't let my rant anyone off seeing it because no. it's a tremendous film and thank you Stuart for having me on again because I always love coming on your show and I haven't done any podcasting of my own for a while in fact I had a look and the last podcast I did for Roman to that was November last year with me you and Den shit <laughs> so, so we killed it so, I'm going to blame Den my, I'm going to blame Den yeah. So I'm thinking of resurrecting Omen to that as well which awesome. might have restarted by the time this comes out hopefully. cool um, but yeah Always enjoy it, mate. It's always a pleasure. And I'm always very, very honoured that anybody asks me on some podcast. No, um, I always enjoy having you on. So it's, it's, I'm honoured that you come on. So. I try and wing my way through as usual. So we can do. <laughs> awesome. Cheers, man. Thank Take you, care. Mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. The Oscar winners give a press conference and how to buy a sailboat Glory, as time news. Like shit. I'm out of here. What happened? What's wrong? All the sex and violence on the screen has gone too far for me. I'm fed up with it. Filmmakers like George Romero and John Carpenter have to show some restraint. They're simply... You're filled with lightning when you hit the road. You're feeling that peace is power as you take control. Nothing can suck you down. You're moving on. Hey, what's wrong, baby? That was They Live. And why not? I'd like to thank Damien for joining me on this episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check the show notes for the links to his work with Art92. At the time of recording, They Live is available in the UK on DVD, Blu-ray and 4K from Studio Canal. We put a shout out on the socials for your thoughts on and members of seeing the film and we had a reply from John Osway on Blue Sky who said, At the height of the muscle-bound actors doing mindless action films, Rowdy Roddy Piper broke the mould with this mind-bending sci-fi cult classic. Also has one of the best screen fights ever, with eye gouges and multiple nut shots. Brother, life's a bitch, and she's back on heat. Thank you to John for the comment for this episode. 
If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever this is episode posted on our social media channels. You can give us a follow on Threads, Blue Sky and Instagram, or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook. Not only will you be kept up to date about what episodes are coming up and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media, or check out the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give this series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating or review if you have a second or two to spare. Or if you don't, we're just grateful that you spent the time listening to us. Thank you. If you missed any Amoyna episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, Spooktober continues next week when I'll be joined by Jalen Seller as we try to ice skate uphill and talk about 1998's Wesley Snipes Marvel Comics movie, Blade. But until then, this has been a Nose of Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, we all sell out every day, so you might as well leave us a rating or a review. Bye for now.